Do you want to know how you know when a feature is important, when a company puts money behind it? And there's no easier way to put money behind a specific feature, or there's no e better way to spend money than a Super Bowl ad. I don't know, they're like $5 million for 30 seconds at this point, something crazy. So when Facebook did a Super Bowl ad in the most recent Super Bowl, they talked about groups and rocks, rock bands, rock climbing, rock whatever, letting us know that Facebook was willing to put a ton of money behind the concept of Facebook groups. So guess what? We started a Facebook group because you know we thought that would be a great idea. Um, for those of you in our group, Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers, you already have had the opportunity to meet Liz somewhat, but we want her, wanted her to come on and give you more insight into what it takes to build a community. And she'll share some of the wonderful success stories that she's seen for other people, et cetera. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, no matter how much we really talk about the digital nature of all this, we're really just relationship building in a one-on-one -on -one basis. And that's something that she highlights in her bio um, that I want to talk about. So Liz helps business owners grow and scale their communities on Facebook groups and beyond. Uh, you can find more at elizabethhenson.co slash press. E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-H-E-N-S-O-N dot co, C-O slash press, P-R-E-S-S. And Liz tells us that she might be the only person who feels this way, but that she has never struggled with social media. But really, it's because she's always focused on that real-life relationship one at a time versus just screaming at the masses. So I love that so, so, so much. Um, Liz, thank you for being in here with us. Yeah, I'm so excited. That was a very official introduction. Thank you for that. <laughs> no problem. I mean, you gave it to us. So the, the intro bios are pretty easy. It's always so fun, time. right, to hear someone else, like, actually say the things that you wrote about yourself. It's so great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, that's why, like, I buy a lot of stupid things so that when somebody gets the opportunity to write an intro, like, I'm a part owner of the Green Bay Packers, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy a star named after me or become a Scottish Lord or, you know, some crap like that. Um, just cause you know, it's all, it's all about a good intro when you're, yeah, when totally you should up. buy some stars. Can't you like, uh, buy animals or like donate or something? Some Potentially. <laughs> um, so today we're going to talk about, it takes a village secrets to building a community that helps you raise a company. Liz is going to go deep into some tips and tricks and whatnot along those lines. Before we dive into that though, I do want to highlight our last episode. Um, our last episode aired a while ago. We've had Thanksgiving, uh, we had some tech issues, et cetera. So our last episode is with Terrell Turner. Terrell talked about his content journey, so not just dancing on TikTok. Um, was really cool to hear. Terrell is a CPA who works with a ton of attorneys and really just kind of gave us that sort of outside perspective, but ultimately we feel the same way. I mean, it was interesting. You know, CPAs, accountants, doctors, dentists, lawyers, we all tend to live in our ivory towers. So it was really cool to hear his content creation journey as it allowed him to grow his business because a lot of us as a law firm owners or other business owners have had similar journeys, even if we're in slightly different industries. But enough about that. Liz, I know I had your bio, but I want to hear more about your story. Who yeah. is Elizabeth Henson? Where did it all start? <laughs> I know. it's I can, I can condense it pretty fast. I'm used to this part. So um, I used to be a high school art teacher, and I started doing photography on the side. And, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. So I was very quickly able to make enough money doing photography to quit my day job and built a really successful photography business in my area and started teaching other photographers how to grow their business. And I realized that I didn't really love teaching someone how to use a camera, but I loved that moment where they realized that they could actually do something that they like or care about and make a living. So that grew into teaching other women how to have other businesses. I created a local community in my area that then grew to a virtual community as well. And I kind of ended up in this kind of business coaching space, specializing in community and leadership. Now, the kicker is that's still not super specific. And I was having a lot of trouble really bringing new people into my community that didn't know anything about me because people just don't wake up in the morning saying I need community and leadership. You know, like we all know that they need it, but no one wakes up with that urgent desire to really master those two things. But they do wake up in the morning saying, gosh, I have this Facebook group that nobody's responding to what I'm saying. It's not getting any engagement. I'm not getting any leads. 
nobody's responding, it's a ghost town. Like that's a real problem that people were facing. So after kind of taking a part-time position as a community manager for a million dollar company, I realized like I can help people do this with the community and leadership skills that I have. Let's turn that into a system that can work for whether it's a solopreneur, you know, or a seven, eight figure company. And I decided for the first time I was going to be organized and I created like a system or a methodology around building community that works in Facebook groups, but it will also work, you know, in circle or mighty networks or whatever your platform is. It just so happens that Facebook groups tend to be our favorite, like the lowest hanging fruit. So that's how I ended up here. Um, and it's been about a year now that I've really been focusing on scaling community management and whatever that looks like. And instead of, you know, working 25 hours in one company, I've kind of flipped that into growing an agency. So that that's my journey. It's very twisty turny, like most entrepreneurs. <laughs> I guess, but like it, it's in, the people that I talk to that are successful and happy always have not a similar journey specifically, but ultimately like you've had this core interest and you just sort of had to like cut through other layers to get to it. Um, yeah. Also, I did not know that about the art teacher, but I will, I will totally give you a wonderful shout out. Liz runs like a really good meeting and not that that's something that you hire her for, but like in a really interesting way of keeping everybody on track without being demanding or domineering. And so I can totally see, like that teacher, like a teacher running a classroom is as a huge compliment, the way that you run a meeting. Oh, thanks. And that all began uh, coaching field hockey. So I sort of like got a backdoor oh. into teaching because I was coaching field hockey. But yeah, you have to figure out how to take, you know, 25 athletes or 25 students and accomplish whatever it is you have to accomplish in 60 minutes or whatever your time limit is. So um yeah i guess like intuitively i like to make sure that we're checking all the boxes that we have to check <laughs> i love it all right so you know i know that we're going to talk about facebook groups because that's our journey but i love what you said there before like everything that we're talking about here isn't necessarily facebook specific that just happens to be like a really easy or common or uh, populist place to build a community from the very beginning, this concept of building a community, is there a definition? Is there like, how do we, what, what do we mean by community? Yeah, so I like to think of community as anyone that is kind of in your network or your circle that has an interest in what you're doing. A lot of people say audience. Um, I like to have the conversation about like being a leader versus being an influencer. Both have communities, but it's a little bit different. So an influencer, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be an influencer. I want to have this big following. But an influencer just has that, a big following. So they can shout out these brands and numbers tell us if you say something to enough people, X amount are going to convert. So that's the power that influencers have. But leaders can still be great leaders, whether it's a room of 10 or 100 or even two. To me, they're two very separate things. And I always like to start with asking people like, do you want to be an influencer or do you want to be a leader, right? And leaders have communities no matter the size. Um, but that's kind of the place I like to start to kind of define what is your community? Like, who is it that you're trying to have leadership or influence upon? So I've had this discussion a lot recently, uh, some with our shared buddy, Joey Vitale, some with others about that difference between a thought leader and an mm -hmm. influencer. So I, I understand what you're saying from the standpoint of like an influencer, it's raw numbers, knowing the conversion rate, but from the shift to somebody positioning themselves as a leader, what's, I understand you're saying you can lead a smaller audience, but like, what's the difference? What's the, what, how is the goal different? Like, are you, is it because it's not sales focused? Is it because you're not just running raw numbers? Like, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, that's such a great conversation. Um, I'm actually at Joey's team retreat right now, by the way. Oh, well, um, that's why I'm in like on the road. But when I think of a thought leader, I think of someone who kind of stands very firm in their beliefs or their actions that they're taking to change the world, right? To have influence, to create change, 
they're leading a mission that might be new or unpopular or powerful, right? Um, whereas, the, and leaders, I think, fall into that category as well. An influencer, to me, they may not be a world changer. They may not be leading a specific thought. They could just be uh, tagging Target or Old Navy, right? That's so different than being a thought leader. They're more of like a follower. Now you can be all of the above. You can 100% be an influencer, a thought leader, and, a, and an actual leader. But there is sometimes a separation of someone who may be this social media influencer, but they don't actually have any core values or anything that is in that category of thought leading. So can you build a community from the influencer standpoint? Is it just harder? Or is it like, does it really go against the concept of a true community? I don't think it goes against it. And I think you can still build a really powerful community. I think like Ashley Lemieux is an amazing, inspiring kind of Instagram influencer who does a lot of good. Um, but I think communities are a little bit more intimate where you're creating an environment where everybody feels seen and everybody feels heard and they're coming to your platform because they feel validated, because they feel inspired, because they know that it's a place where their voice can be heard, which is why I love Facebook groups over like an Instagram, because it's like a room instead of a stage. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the way that I always look at it. And I've gotten, I don't want to say pushback, but like, for me, an audience is you up on a stage, whether it's real or virtual, talking to a bunch of people, whereas the community is really that like cross discussion among members. Am I right in that? Yes, 100%. And okay. that's why I always, and Facebook groups is where you ask questions, like Instagram or your stage is kind of where you just deliver content. So it would seem from a very business mindset and from a lawyers being business owner standpoint, it would seem like a community could almost sell better for you and build better relationships because you're in charge of this community as opposed to you constantly having to show up to sell from the stage, even if that's an Instagram post, even if that's LinkedIn, whatever. 100%. <clears throat> I think the okay. most businesses with the most sustainability and long-term success, happiness, influence, change, advocacy are community leaders but they don't just stand and lead. They understand how to ask questions so that the entire room feels seen and heard and a part of the mission, right? Like I help people all the time. Like you have to cast your vision, your mission every single week. And that's how you get people to be part of your community because they believe in your mission. It's not so much about buying your one thing. It's that, that long-term mission of like, how do you want to change the world or how do you want to influence positive impact? So, I mean, maybe that is a jumping off point. I Like in essence, from that law firm owner sitting here thinking, do I take the time and effort to build a community or not? What's the analysis for them or what do they need to have in place for that to be worth it? Or like kind of walk me through that very beginning stage process as, as well as you know. Yeah, I mean, I would hope that they look in the mirror and they think that they already have a community. And the best way to assess that or evaluate that is like, are you getting repeat clients or referrals? Like not with what you guys do. Sometimes you hope you don't see someone twice, right? But are you actually getting referrals from them? Are you, you know, getting a thank you note from them? What does that experience look like? And if you're getting some of that social proof that they're having a great experience, then you're probably already building a community. It just means you may not have leaned into that as an opportunity to grow or get more sales. You kind of like might not even realize that it's already happening. But a huge red flag to me is like, if you're not getting any type of word of mouth uh, buzz or referrals or interest, and that does happen. I'm like, how do people not see that as a red flag that you've literally never had a repeat customer or like your customer sister or brother or aunt? <laughs> what, so, so from the law firm owner standpoint, do we have to build this community around our ideal clients or from a client standpoint? Can we build this community around referral sources? Can we build this community around other attorneys? Like what are our options? I think you can do any, but I would always recommend all of the above. I think networking and building community around your peers could be so incredibly powerful. 
uh, obviously building community around your clients and their families, but it's really going to be so different for everybody's service, but a great business owner that's also a great leader is going to naturally attract people to them. And that's sort of what I really focus on is community building as a way of being, right? It's it's who we are. It's the actions that we live out on a daily basis and knowing how to make other people feel important. And if a great law firm owner, business owner is doing those things, they're going to be attracting more people into the door, which is all part of community building, right? It's like not just hire an attorney, right? I already know I need that. But like, why hire Jordan's attorney? What what are those things that make you unique? Like you always love to ask people, like what makes your firm different than everyone else's? Those are going to be the key components that come in the core values of your community. But you, you, you kind of keep coming back to this leader concept. And so I guess the question for me becomes, are there specific things that make somebody a better leader for them to oversee community? Or does everybody have something about them that could lead them, that could get them to the point of being a leader of a community? That's a really good question too. And I actually, it brings me back to a great episode you had. I'm going to forget her name, but it was about uh, leading versus managing, right? And I think this all kind of boils down to knowing what we want to do versus what we're really great at. And I don't necessarily think that everybody desires to be a leader. Um, I'm a great leader, but I'm not a great manager, right? So understanding the the difference in the two that I want to show up and lead my team and inspire my team, but I do not want to be the one that checks in on tasks or asks how a project's going or like says that, you know, I want changes here or this or that. Um, but I'm building in a way that allows me to only be in that leader role. So I don't know if that really answered your question. I think everybody has potential to be a leader. Like something that makes me great at building community is I automatically see people's gifts so quickly and so easily. So I think everyone can be a leader. Now, not everyone wants to be a leader. Someone might be so much happier in that manager role and being able to shine in that way. Yeah, that was our episode with Megan Robinson about that. Um, Greg, can you make sure we add that in the show notes or add that as a comment or something along those lines? I was totally thinking it was Megan. I was right. Yeah, no problem. Um, okay, so we've got our law firm owner. We know we want to start the concept of a community. We know that we've got either leadership potential or actual leadership. We know we've got clients coming back to us. We've got that word of mouth buzz, et cetera. Do we need to define what community we're looking for? Do we need to, like, what do we, how do we begin the process of this community building? Or I guess truly being intentional about the community we've already built? Yeah, I mean, the ideal client is a huge part of it, right? Like, that's a huge part of marketing. That's a huge part of everything that we do. Um, if you don't know how to define that, I always say start with the best client you've ever had, that you would have more of those if you could. Or start with the person that you that you know needs you, right? So like, what is that person's pain point? What are they complaining about? How can you show up and help solve their problem in a very specific way? Um, so yes, it absolutely matters, but your core values that make you the leader that you are, are going to essentially be what attract those people. But then <clears throat> you, you say those people, and like, I don't mean that from the, um, what is, uh, me, myself, and Irene, yeah. where he's, the, uh, with the chauffeur and he's like, what do you mean by you people or whatever? <laughs> but like, do we, how intentional do we need to be about the community that we're building, about the people in the community, about the audience, about the type of person, about the job title? I, I don't know. Like, is it, is it setting that up or is it really just like creating the area and seeing who comes in? Yeah, it's creating the environment. So I like to call this like the environment and the culture. So if you walk into a room, say you're at like a conference or an event and you walk into a room and there's an instant feeling. Like for me, I always like to think of this conference I went to and I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be amazing. This is like so much bigger than me. Just being in this space is elevating like my potential or what I'm gonna learn, right? It's a, it's a non-tangible feeling that is part of an environment and combination with a culture. So your, your law firm, your business can do that same thing that's creating an environment and a culture so that when people enter your room, whether it's virtual or an office or whatever that might be, 
they're getting that instant feeling of I'm in the right place. This is going to help me. This is going to give me what I need. Or they might be repelled for whatever reason, which is also a good thing. You want to attract and repel. Both are equally important. I, I mean, my face does a number of repelling, but no, uh, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I always talk to a lot of our law firm clients about you are becoming a magnet and a magnet is going to attract things on one end, repel things on the other, but exactly <clears> what you said, like the repelling the right people is just as important as attracting the right people. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have to make announcements, right? Like we don't have to say like, this is exactly who I'm looking for, but the way that you live out those values is going to attract the right people, right? Like having representation and you can bring that into like diversity and inclusion and all those things and all those values, how you manage your time, your boundaries are most likely to get broken if you're answering emails at 9 p.m. at night, right? So like you can't get upset with your clients emailing you at nine at night if you're the one responding at nine at night. So everything, our community is an actual mirror of the leadership, you know, or lack thereof that we represent. For better and worse. For better and worse. Yep. <laughs> no, I mean, look, I. It's so funny to me. I was, um, I was reading. Oh shoot. I think it is it. Think and grow rich. I don't know. Anyway, but like, in essence, from the standpoint of like, if you sat down with the hundred most knowledgeable, amazing, wonderful people in an industry, even if you knew absolutely nothing, you could gain enough insight from them to put together a viable book product presentation whatever like the things i learned from the masters and everybody comes back to this point ideal client like knowing mm -hmm. that ideal client knowing that <clears throat> who you want in the audience you want in the community like having that stuff lined up allows you to make those decisions about speaking to them the offerings that they need whatever and then obviously facebook's great about like well if you're not sure just pull them like literally create a poll and have them tell you what webinars they want have them tell you you know what their favorite holiday is I don't, whatever the information is that you can glean from um, it's just, it's so cool to really put that social component back into social media. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I always like to say it's one person at a time. Like just this morning, I was helping a student with, you know, she's like, nobody's answering my posts. I'm sick of Facebook. It's Facebook's fault. I don't even want to write newsletters. It's my newsletter platform's fault. I'm like, no, this is just data. We need to go back to the messaging. And, you know, I, I read one of her posts. Of course, I asked the question, like, do you want some tough love here? Or do you want me to be your cheerleader? Right? Luckily, she said tough love. So I read the Luckily post. for whom? No, <laughs> I know, right? Kidding. Luckily for me, right? Um, so she re I read the post and it was like, you know, I started this new group and I want you guys to join me. You know, like it was a very me, me, me post, not intentionally. So I said, look, let's try this. And, um, you know, she was offering financial help. So I'm like, are you like sick and tired of, you know, your finances being an issue? Like, are you finding yourself losing sleep over your finances? Like, just start the post that way and let them, you know, show them that you understand their pain points and their feelings. And we just so often get so busy in the day to day that we forget about that human connection of just wanting to help people. And like start there, get a couple people to say yes before we worry about automating, before we worry about, you know, curating. People don't wake up and want to be automated or curated. We have to always go back to that human to human element. Yeah, I think um I'm pretty sure it was Guy Sakalakis I was talking to about this, where it's like literally digital marketing is just taking how to win friends and influence people into the internet. And then they actually redid the book for uh how to do it in the digital space. So yeah. Um, clearly we're onto something, but, and also, and I think so much of that makes it easier because you're not sitting here like, oh my God, what do I say to 7 million people on YouTube? You're sitting here like, what do I tell that one person that really needs to hear this or mm -hmm. understand this or my ideal client or my ideal audience or what, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think it makes it easier, especially like for introverts, just yeah. focus on like, we are having a one-to-one -one <laughs> conversation right now, regardless of there being, you know, 10 people watching this live, a thousand people over the time frame, whatever, like we are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And when I say that the phrase, like I've never struggled on social media, I mean that because my goal has never been to get 10,000 followers. My goal has always been to use me social media as a tool to help people. So if I'm succeeding in that, I'm succeeding on social media. You know, of course we want to grow and we want to expand and we want to get more people in our community. 
but I don't lead with, I need more people in my community. I lead with like, who can I help today? Where can I show up on social media where people might need the thing that I can help them with? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, that's so amazing because I think it's funny. I know you talk a lot about the um, like a hundred people in the group. Like once there's a hundred people in the group that lets Facebook know, like this is a legit thing. But even at that number, even just if you started this community and you really had a hundred people in it who are showing up multiple times per week, who are listening to what you said, who are coming back as clients, who are referring you people. Like if every one of those people sent you, I don't know, like if, if half of them were a client and all of them sent you one other client, that would give you 150 clients. Mm -hmm. And if your average client value is $5,000 per client over the course of the year, you're talking about, you know, 12 or so clients per month. You're talking about $60,000 or so per month. You're talking about $720,000 over the course of the year. Like, Amazing. Exactly. You can make that work. And, exactly. And you're sitting here like, oh my God, I only have a hundred people in this, but like, it's amazing the, the quantity, the quality over quantity argument that you can make for some of these communities. Totally. And that's, you know, one of my, one of my big things in my methodology is that I'm not here to get people a thousand, you know, to 8,000 people in their Facebook group. It's more like, let's take the people that are already there and let's really maximize that experience and allow the numbers to take care of themselves. And so many people that are teaching Facebook groups and monetizing Facebook groups, it's all about, let me show you how to get from zero to 50,000 members. And I'm a fly on the wall in these groups, right? And I just saw this girl go from 50 to 800 members in like two weeks, but she's not getting any engagement because she's not filling the group with people who are raising their hand saying, I want what you have to offer. And when you fill your group with people that are raising their hand and volunteering to be there, that's when you really get the amazing engagement and the amazing results, regardless of whether it's 50 people or 100 people or 300 people. And honestly, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if there's like a real number, but there becomes this feeling in a group where like when there's 50 people in the group or there's 150 people, you feel a lot more comfortable being a lot more vulnerable. And then the next mm -hmm. thing you know, it's a 10,000 person group. And you're like, I don't know that I'm going to share this loss. I'm going to, I don't know that I'm going to share this huge mistake that I made. There's too many people. And mm -hmm. so like, there's this, there almost is like this, well, I guess, depending upon the, the purpose of your community, there's almost this balancing test where like less is better for certain things. A hundred percent. And that's why I encourage people to keep their Facebook groups clean, just like you would your newsletter list, right? Like, do you want a huge newsletter list or do you want people that actually open your emails? And keeping your Facebook group clean helps you keep it small and intimate and keep that engagement level up. And just in like the time that I've been doing this, I really see a sweet spot in like 200 to 700 members. Is it really that, I wanna say that low, but obviously I just argued that that wasn't low, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great healthy community that has enough people that people are gonna engage with every post that you write but it's not so many people that people are feeling intimidated and not wanting to speak. Now, I 100% believe that you can scale and still provide that environment, but I'm just seeing a lot of good success in that, that window, right? There we go. So now we're gonna start Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers 2 and <laughs> push that out to new people so we can keep the you know, nice, wonderful, warming, warm, welcoming community we have in the current group. Hey, I'm here for an experiment. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's solution for lawyers by lawyers also. I also, think that's, there then, you go. And then additionally is the third one, and then we'll just keep going from uh, other iterations. Assistant no, to the. <laughs> it, yeah, there we go. Assistant to the regional manager. No, I mean, but that is it's it's interesting because like ultimately it, it goes back to that not just knowing who you want in the group, but knowing what you want out of the group. Because obviously, like from the very beginning, of this when you talk about influencers, we talked about making those sales. I, I would think more people lead to more sales from a numbers standpoint. So if your sole goal behind the group is to monetize it, that's a much different thing than it is to build a true community, to have long lasting success, to build long lasting relationships, um, et cetera. A hundred percent. And that, you know, that's why it is important to always start with like, what's the goal of the group is the goal of the group to like, just be another newsletter list where you have high numbers. So you have conversion rates and you're okay playing that game? Or do you truly want to create an environment and a culture that is unlike, you know, no other on the internet? And there's no right or wrong, everyone's goals are different. But my specific methodologies are going to help people with creating that environment and that culture and, 
you know, a room that really has an impact and makes a difference versus like, let's just scream to a bunch of people so that X amount like buy the thing that we're selling. Hey, welcome to most marketing, not most marketing <laughs> campaigns to an unfortunately large chunk of marketing campaigns. Let's just yeah. scream in an empty room or as loud as we can, or go to the top of the tallest building in town and just chuck a thousand business cards and see where the wind takes them. Yeah. Um, as opposed just, to targeting um, this. I just met with someone the other day and you know, there's a constant conversation about rebranding an existing group because you want to keep the numbers or starting from scratch. And, you know, he was like, I rebranded this group because I didn't want to start from zero and have people think I wasn't legit, blah, blah, blah. Whereas like I did the opposite and I started my group from zero, even though I could have rebranded another group. But let me tell you the magic and knowing that every single other person in that group wants to be there. Like, I'm so glad that I made the decision that I did. And I didn't use the invite button and just randomly invite all my friends, like single-handedly, like each person has said they want to be in that group, kind of similar how what we do with solutions for lawyers by lawyers. And it really makes a big difference in how much they're paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, and it and I always love, it's funny, you know, we'll go through the, um, the screening questions or the answers that people give when they're first joining. And there are some of them where I'm just like, the answer is cringy. I'm not letting this person in. Like it's, I feel like the bouncer at the front of the, with the velvet rope at the front of the, of the club being like, sorry, but like you get these, you get a feel for people when they're, you know, answering questions a certain way. Yeah. I mean, and that's a, a whole nother great topic that I'm super passionate about is like the questions to enter the group. Like is someone actually documenting and reading those answers with care? right? Like that's the first thing to the human to human contact. Like I joined a group the other day. He didn't read the answers. He asked me the same question in a DM trying to sell me something. And I'm like, I've actually just already answered this, but clearly you need my help because you didn't read it. <laughs> hey, there we go. I love but, like, the reverse you want, pitch. Yeah. You want people to feel seen and heard right from the beginning. And if they're answering those questions with care and with intention, then we should be giving them the same in return. Totally. So I guess there's two ways to look at this. Let's start positive. <laughs> I think we can all picture that that group, that community. Oh, we're going to go, I guess, Facebook group here that we know is working really well. We may not be able to put our finger on it, but it's like the you have a new um, so and so posted in it. Great, you look forward to it. A video shows up there, you look forward to it. But then you also have those ones where it's like, oh my god, I can't believe so and so invited me to this, or why did I join this? Whatever what are some of the red flags that let us know like we're creating community that people feel the second way about versus that people feel the first way about yeah i think clearly communicating how you want people to invite friends is really important and i think a lot of people just don't even find that important or don't think that that's something that they need to articulate but i'm very clear about like don't just invite your friends by clicking the button like have a conversation that tells them about the group and what makes it different and why they should join. And that all boils down to managing expectations. Like we want to manage expectations from onboarding a client, but we also want to manage expectations for our community and how they can advocate for the community because people actually want to, but sometimes they don't, they don't know how. And if we just tell them like the best thing that you can do for us is to invite your friends to the group, but don't just click the button, like let it come up in conversation and let them know why you love it. Right. Um, and just educating them on how you want them to to advocate for you. And I, I look, I think that's huge. If you have people that are, if you have people invest in your group that are truly interested in growing a group and that are inviting other people that are great fits for the group, I think that's an easy, you are doing something right. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's a big ask. I'm trying to think of like the amount of times that I have invited somebody to a group as much as I love connecting people to each other, minimally have I invited people to a group. So are there things that are less of an ask, easier to know? Like, I know we talk about engagement rate a lot. So like, mm -hmm. can we talk about that in, you know, in a little bit more detail with everybody listening? What is that? What numbers are you looking for? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think a healthy group, if we're talking Facebook, has anywhere from like 40 to 60% active members. So engaging members, like whether they're answering a question or not, doesn't measure happy. So I like to look at the number and the percentage of active members, you know, next to how many are actually in the group. And, you know, Solutions for Lawyers does a great job because we live in that 40 to 60% range. Now, if you go in the group, that doesn't mean that people are engaging on every single post, 
but an active member means that they are in the group, they're scrolling, they're hitting the read button, the read more button, they're, you know, clicking on external links, whatever that might be, they're actually physically interacting. So just whether someone's at, like answering the questions or not, sure, that's a measurement, but that doesn't measure happy or unhappy. People physically showing up to the group means that they have interest in it. So that's a better measurement if we want to talk, you know, analytics. Well, or they're miserable and they just like misery loves company, right? That's the, you never know. It depends the on your of culture. Social media. <laughs> so, um, in terms of that engagement rate that we're talking about, that forty to sixty percent, is that like one engagement over the span of a month puts them on that number? Is it over a week? Is it multiple? scroll throughs comments do you not know i'm not i i know nothing about this part so yeah so it's just active members so if you have 10 you know people in your group and eight of them have physically visited the group scrolled clicked engaged then eight are going to be counted as an active member which is how we get the 80 percent is that over any like do you set the length of time that you're looking mm. for that yeah, so I track every seven days. That's the report okay. that I send you on Fridays. But you could, Facebook automatically gives you the 30 day glance. But because, you know, I really believe that like there's, there's the more you know, the more you can help. So I track it every single week. It just needs to be on the same day. And, you know, this has been something that I've been having a lot of conversations about is like, you know, some business owners will just say, okay, nobody's answering my posts, right? Successful CEOs are going to be able to say, hey, engagement's down 10% this week, what do we need to do to get it up? So like, which CEO do you wanna be, right? Do you wanna be the one that just kind of like griping about nobody interacting? Or do you wanna be the one that knows your numbers and knows that there needs to be a strategy involved to get them back up? Or my personal favorite, I feel like this isn't landing as much as it was before. And I'm like, based upon what metrics i just uh, you know da, da, da. okay yeah, i just feel like that yeah and it's i it's almost funny to hear myself talk in that way because i'm so intuitive and it's taken a long time for me to really be this data driven person and i even have people on my team that help because they're better at the numbers than i am but i realize the importance of taking your business seriously and being solution uh, solution focused and not problem focused, right? And we can't be solution focused if we can't identify the problem in that measurable way. Well, I mean, literally what you just said is the difference between my first three years of firm ownership that gave me all this gray hair and my second, well, I guess now slightly more than three years of firm ownership that has, I don't know, I'm getting more gray, but I feel happier about it, which goes back to the, uh, I don't know what metrics I can track, and my heart rate is lower than it was over those three years. I guess that's my KPI. Yep. That, I mean, that's a measurement. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. But it, you're so right because a lot of times we get caught up in how it explodes in our face or, or at least on the things that we can't necessarily control as opposed to focusing on the things that we can control or the things that we can impact or influence or whatever you want to call it. So I like yeah. that reorganization all right we're getting kind of towards the end um as much as i know you this topic is mostly foreign to me so is there anything any other large things that we have totally missed we will have our final nugget of wisdom our biggest takeaway coming up but before we get towards the actual end i want to make sure if we're not missing anything huge that you want to make sure you share with our listeners and watchers yeah, I mean, I love to just leave people with some really actionable things that they can do in their Facebook group if they're wanting to what I call optimize the group. Um, and there's some really easy steps you can take. Make sure that the title of your group is searchable. Um, it's just like any other SEO you know, optimization tool. People are going to be searching for groups. So is the title of your group something that people are going to actually type in? Like no one's going to go in and type in Elizabeth's awesome group, right? But they might go search how to grow a Facebook group. Um, so that's thing number one. Thing number two is really optimize those questions to enter the group so that you're learning about your members as they enter the door. Uh, the more you know about them, the better you can serve them. And then I always recommend aligning your group with a freebie or a newsletter so that you can really have more touch points with the members. So those are my three little, like just give you some quick five minute action items if you guys are interested at all in Facebook groups. For example, in our group, we have the um, referral-based, running a referral-based practice. Because yeah. We identified most law firm owners start their firm with zero dollars or even negative money. 
And so being referral-based tends to be the cheapest way to grow a firm, at least until you can then offset or offload some of the marketing to a, a great company like Legalese. So yeah. thank you so much for all of your insight in that and also the execution of getting that put together. It has been very helpful for us. So for yeah. everybody, I say that not as a brag, but as support of Liz knows what she's talking about, especially those of you that have been in our group over the last, it's been like six months. It has, yeah. Yeah. If you were in it before that and you were like, why am I here? And then over the last six months, you've been like, this is why I'm here. You have uh, Liz to thank. Well, we have, we're so close to doubling our numbers um, since I started. But if you guys, you guys should join Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers, obviously, and come hang out with Jordan and I there. But it really is uh, such a great group. And it's been such an awesome experience for me. Um, you know, so I appreciate you guys taking a chance on me. There we go. Love it. All right. So we are still going to have our final nugget of wisdom, our biggest takeaway. I'm not going to get to that just yet, because I want to talk about our next episode. Um, super interesting. For any of you in Lawyers with Purpose uh, or know Dave Zampano, David Zampano, um, he has designed some different legal tech offerings, some different marketing type things, mostly in the estate planning realm. He is going to talk to us about the digitization of the practice of law and how technology is transforming the way lawyers will practice. Basically, we started out lawyers being brick and mortar, having offices. Eventually, we had to advertise in like the yellow pages and whatnot. Then we went sort of more virtual into a website, into e-signature, into whatever. And the next stage, he looks at it as digitization. So how you actually allow clients to do a lot of the work 24-7 without needing you from a digital component. Um, it's going to be a super cool chat based upon my conversations with, with David and knowing what else he's been up to. Uh, that will air on Thursday, 12-9 at 1.30 Eastern time. So the same time you watch this show. But on Thursday, we'll be back here talking about the digitization of the practice of law. This is one of those things, like you talk about thought leadership. This is one of those things that is going to be the next wave of thought. Um, and I am super excited for it. So that being said, though, um, I'm not going to leave without getting some more wonderful nuggets of wisdom out of Liz. So to anybody who's been listening or watching this for the last, at this point, 40, 45 minutes, if they remember nothing that you've said, except what you're going to share here. What would be your biggest piece of advice on how to help law firm owners and lawyers become the exhibit A of a successful attorney? I would focus on how you want people to feel, like not just your customers and your clients, but your team. And uh, think about what qualities, you know, if people had to describe your business, or your firm, or you as a person, like in three words, what would you want them to say? And don't just pick easy ones that they're already saying about you. Think about that that version of you that you want to be in a year or five years. What do you want people to say about you? And get really clear on those characteristics and how you can start to embody them. We think about all the time the characteristics that we should have or that we want to have, but we don't always consider how do we want people to feel. And the easiest way to spot a leader is that they make other people feel important. So if you master that ability to make people around you feel important and seen and heard, regardless of like team building, I think team building is super important. Like we, our culture starts from the inside out um, or your customers or your clients or your coworkers or your spouse or your kids. How do you want them to feel when they're around you and allow that to kind of be your guiding light of how you problem solve? That was powerful. Oh, good. I, I, I like totally it. won it. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I, I pulled up the quote to make sure I didn't butcher it. But my Angela has the quote. Um, I've learned that people will forget what you said. For, people will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And that is so true. And even from a, like, look, even from a business standpoint, people are going to feel a certain way after they have interacted with your business. Whether that's how somebody answered the phone, whether that's how quickly the work got back, whether that's what you charge, whether that's you know what bell, whistle, swag, whatever it was that you added on to it. Um, and I really like the idea of not just breaking it down to what the end result looks like, but breaking it down to what the end result feels like, because that's a super powerful tool. Thank you. What a wonderful, yeah. thank you for ending it on that. That was great. Yeah, and um, even if it's just a Facebook post, begin it with how do I want this post to make people feel? Yeah. 
I like it. So that being said, if you want to feel part of a great community, if you want to get to hang out with Liz more frequently, and if you're willing to put up with um, me showing up on your feed a little bit more, I would be super highly honored if you joined our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers Facebook group. It is totally free. We've got, I don't know, 500 members? We are getting close to 500. Close to 500. So we yeah. are like right in that ideal number, that two yeah. to 700. Like we have nailed it. It's yep. the perfect time for you to join because we are exactly in the right uh, turning point before we close it down and start Solutions before it gets for too Lawyers busy. also. Uh, another another solution for another lawyer or whatever the whatever the next group will be so we can keep it uh, but seriously i'll be honored if you were there and then also i would love to see all of you again on thursday 12 9 1 30 for david zapano's take on the digitization of law firms thank you all so much for being with us today liz thank you so much for your time yeah thanks and, for having uh, me you guys are amazing yeah. as always and have a wonderful monday everybody